The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Are you looking for a career change? Maybe COVID threw you for a loop. Maybe it's time that you did something else. Maybe you're just tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else. Well, our phone line sponsor, Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, is looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary. You do have to be a resident of Mississippi, but what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. Don't wait around anymore. It's time to make a change. So for more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas Chandler today directly through Facebook or his number at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Make the change. Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, the title sponsor of Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Today's guest on Talk of Champions coming to us on the Modern Woman phone line. It's Mac Brown, Ole Miss punter, because this weekend oh. is the Grove Bowl. It's a party in the SIP, Brad. What does that mean? I mean, about time we get to go watch a football game. I don't care who it is. Ole Miss is definitely getting the win, and I'll I'll take it. I'm 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 actually going to this one. I'm excited. Okay, what are you going to be looking for when you go to the Grove Bowl on Saturday? Well, I, I, first off, I want to see, hopefully we get some of our injured players back or some of the guys that have been out all spring can actually go out there and, and you know, do something for the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, just going to kind of see where, where they are injury-wise and, and where, you know, who, who is still stepping up and who's still a part of the offense, um, seeing, seeing who's taking some steps. So it, it ought to be interesting to see. We're going to talk a little bit more football later in the show. A lot of Ole Miss news is happening. A big development today that we'll touch on in just a second. But first, Ole Miss baseball last night, as we're recording on this Wednesday, beat Little Rock of Arkansas. Arkansas of Little Rock. However you say it, it doesn't really matter. U-A-L-R. There we go. 11-6. And that usually wouldn't mean anything. Nothing at all. But the lineup was completely different. A lineup we haven't seen all year. It was as if Mike Bianco. Hold, 
Ole Miss message boards and asked everyone, hey, what do you want the lineup to be? And then just rolled that lineup out. Now, for me, my dreams came true. TJ McCants led off for Ole Miss baseball. If you listen to this podcast on Monday, Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach, was on. And we talked about a number of different topics, a lot about the Mississippi State series, that bullpen usage that was just terrible on Sunday. But one thing we touched on is lineup construction and my love of TJ McCants. And what did my man do? Came through with one for four, two runs scored, walked twice. Yeah, he struck out three times, but I don't care about strikeouts. He got on base three times and scored twice. Peyton Chatney batting second was two for five with three runs scored, two RBI. Jacob Gonzalez batting third, one for three with two RBI. And Chatney was playing third base. TJ McCants was playing second. I hope this means the end of the experiment of TJ McCants in the outfield because he's just not an outfielder. What did you think about that? We saw Kemp Alderman for the first time. Kind of lived up to everything we'd heard about Kemp Alderman in the fall and preseason. Yes, he's got light tower power, but he struck out 61% of the time in the fall and preseason and didn't homer. So he did the exact same thing when he finally got into a game. The red shirt is off. He goes one for four, but struck out three times. Maybe he'll get a little bit more opportunity moving forward, but what did you think about this? Because this was notable. And my guy, Jack Doherty. Jack frickin' Doherty. That's the thing that we're making happen. Jack frickin' Doherty is a thing now. And he pitched, didn't last long, but still he drew the start. It was a completely different look to Ole Miss baseball after a weekend of disappointment in Mississippi State. What did you think of it? Yeah, I, I texted you last night. And I'm, I mean, I usually on the midweek games, I, I tune in if if possible. But I actually was like, all right, I want to tune in tonight to see what um, – I wanted to see Alderman. I wanted to see what um, what Doherty would do. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's cool that he's moving guys around. I think that's a that's a good play for the for the postseason. Um, that, that could be, could be around the corner and then just trying to get some guys, some reps, man. I mean, there's, there's, there's a few concrete players, but for the most part, um, this is probably the one team, almost team, I would say in, in, in a while where you, you, the lineup still really isn't like completely settled. I mean, you kind of know who's who, but, um, we're, there's really guys that haven't, um, you know, rose to the top. They're kind of close to the bottom of the lineup. So I think he's just trying to try as many combinations as possible, um, you look at John Reisman, he's getting better and better. It's really cool to see him, um, you know, be be a better hitter and just, just be an overall player. I think he's getting close to being a full-time starter. I really do. Um, and, and if he is, I think he'll get better in that role. So um, seeing Alderman last night was kind of cool. I almost feel like Bianco did that just so fans would see, like, hey, I told you, the guy – the guy's going to strike out. He struck out 75% of the time last night. He's going to strike out a lot. He got some power when he hits it, but he's just not ready yet. So um, I, I feel like that was an odd move by him, but I feel like that was him just saying, hey, um, you know, he, here he is. I'll show y'all so, so y'all stop asking for him. I think that said to me that Mike looked at it and went, Kemp Alderman is not happy. He does not want a red shirt. Okay, go play. Because what's the worst that could happen? You're going to transfer at the end of the year? You're going to do that anyway, apparently, if you're redshirted. So the redshirt is off. Now maybe he can help you. The one year you have him, you might have him for the future. Heck, you might become a key piece for Ole Miss baseball moving forward. We don't know. But the first introduction (laughs) to Kemp Alderman wasn't all that great. But I do expect to see him get more opportunity because you're right. The lineup is not settled. But one guy, one guy, and I hate to say it, because I can already hear it. Oh, here we go again with Ben and Brad talking about John Rice Plumley. But the one guy who has earned a spot in the starting lineup is John Rice Plumley. He's OPSing near 900. The guy keeps coming through. He was two for two, scored two runs, had a double, walked twice. What has the guy got to do? He's batting 371 now, and you need help in the outfield. He can play center field for you until he shows you that he's slowing down. Play him. Start him in center. And I sent this to you. You're going to roll your eyes, but I sent this to you in a minute that if it were me, and thank God it isn't, I would be a disaster in that dugout. But if it was me, I would be tempted to go TJ McCants at shortstop leading off because that's where he's going to end up anyway. Jacob Gonzalez is going to grow out of shortstop and move to third base. Anyway, I digress. TJ McCants leading off at shortstop. Two-hole is your best hitter, Kevin Graham, left field. Peyton Chatney playing second, batting third. 
Dunhurst, catcher, batting fourth. Gonzalez, playing third base, batting fifth. Baker, DHing, batting sixth. Leatherwood, playing right field, batting seventh. And that's a guy that could climb the order. He's heating up. And then eighth, Justin Bench, playing first base. I know, I know. Your best defender playing first, that's where the need is. Wherever Justin Bench lines up, he's the best defender at that position. The one place they need a good defender is Justin Bench. If anything that we learned outside of, don't use Josh Mallets when you have to get an out, as we did in the sixth inning. Also, <laughs> Kel Baker can't play defense at first base. He can't move. One of those, quote, hits that Mississippi State got in the sixth inning wasn't a hit. Kel Baker just didn't make the play. And then JRP playing center field. He has earned the opportunity to start. Give the man his due. Roll your eyes if you want to. Say we're hyping him up or something. That's fine. The number's backing up. This has nothing to do with a love affair of John Rice Plumley. He's a good kid. I don't really consider myself the president of his fan club in any way. I'm looking at the numbers, and the numbers, Brad, are screaming. Start that kid. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but the only problem with your lineup is there's no such thing as a Bianca lineup without a Ben Van Cleve. So uh, uh, you have to, it, it, no matter, Ben Van Cleve will be involved in some kind of way if Bianco has something to do with it. So, um, but no, I, I totally agree. I think that, um, I, I mean, I, I think Leatherwood, one thing is to, two things for sure to me Leatherwood and JRP should be in there every day. I mean, I think Leatherwood for sure. I mean, he's just too much of a threat with his bat. I mean, he can go yard at any moment. He, and he hasn't even played full-time here lately, and he has really good stats. I mean, his, his average is heating up a little bit, but um, he's got five home runs, um, maybe six home runs with 20-something RBIs. I mean, he has to be in the lineup at worst at DH. He's going to be a better option at DH than, than um, Van Cleve or Baker. So um, he has to be in the lineup, in my opinion. And the beauty of having John Rice Plumley in center field is, yes, Kevin Graham in left isn't ideal, but he's been – pretty good he's held up well enough in left field but if you have to put Hayden Leatherwood in right you have two not particularly good defensive players in the corners but it doesn't matter in college baseball it's a game of small samples but it helps that John Rice Plumley, if he's starting in center is a plus defender in center field he can make up a lot of ground that those two guys can't cover yeah, well, I mean, what about Kevin Graham going to first base? And um, that'll never happen. And- that'll never happen again. If Mike Bianco and his staff have any say, Kevin Graham will never again play first base. Why not? He's built more like a first baseman than any 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 of our other options. Because he's not a good defensive first baseman. Well, that's not coming well, from me either. Well, it's, uh, I think we're just trying to get the best. Comp- I mean, outfield. I don't think you can play with. I mean, I think you you keep you know you obviously put your better defenders out there. Um, because as you've seen, if I mean, you did Justin Bench would be in center field because he's the best defender wherever you line him up. But the need is at first base. I'm trying to put the best defensive team out there, but also the best lineup. And if that means Kel Baker and Ben Van Cleef, look, guys, y'all are just gonna have to share time at DH together. It'll just be whoever I'm feeling today. Kel Baker, ah, sure. Ben Van Cleef, that's eh, your turn. Kel, take a seat. I am not if I'm Mike Bianco going to roll a lineup out there that have both of them in it. But as we all know, it's his team, his Sharpie, his lineup, Ben Van Cleef and Kel Baker will be in every lineup. Yeah. One one thing I I will say this as, as fans, um, you know, it's your opinion on the team is so much different than the in, in house opinion, because these guys, these coaches, these coaches are around these guys every day and they see things that you and I don't see. We only see things on game day. So, um, they're actually in depth with the guys. They know these guys' personality. They know their attitude. They know how they, you know, th- they know that, I mean, they're with them every day. So that's one thing that does get lost in this. I mean, people are always freaking, you know, why is Van Cleveland on it? Well, you know, these guys, they see them every day. So there's, there's obviously things they see that, that we don't see. And there's weaknesses that, that we don't see that, that they see more often, which, which causes them to make lineups. So I will say this, I mean, over the years being on teams, I have always struggled with that seeing the fan opinion, you know, compared to your team opinion, you know, certain guys are, you know, they're just for whatever reason, they're, they're, they're good dudes. And they, they, they the coaches feel like they need to be in the lineup and, and, and it, it's sometimes it's unexplainable to fans, but that's one thing that, um, that I feel like is going on here. Yeah. They know better than we do period. I'm just a nerd sitting behind a screen, staring at numbers. They're with them every single day. 
They know. But Ole Miss, after coming through its tough portion of the SEC schedule, is 27-10 and 10 overall. Yes, they've lost three straight SEC weekend series. That's bad. But they're 27-10. and 10. They're 9-6 and six in the league. And they've got LSU coming up for three starting on Thursday. This is the easier portion of their schedule. They have to win these series. You have to. What made Sunday so painful was, for many fans, oh, it's Mississippi State. For those that were looking at the bigger picture, the hosting implications of dropping that game. So, LSU on Thursday, you need to get that one, you need to win the series, and then you need to go and beat South Carolina and continue on because you've gotten through the toughest portion. Now it's time to make hay. And you've proven you can win, and you've proven you can score runs and put up big numbers without Tim Elko. Go do it now and get the results. But that's Ole Miss baseball, one of many top headlines in Ole Miss sports today. But one in particular is leading all others. And we touch on it now in the lead, brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, one of many proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Finally, at long last, Oxford is getting back to normal. The sun is shining. Those dreary winter months, they're behind us. Better yet, you actually get to experience Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What a world. What better way to get there than in a new car, truck, or Jeep? The only place to go for your next vehicle is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. They'll take care of you. And I know because I've bought a car there myself. And the experience was too easy. Seamless even. Their only goal is to get you in the vehicle you've always wanted at a good price. So reach out today. Don't wait. Give them a call, 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's 2201 East University Avenue, just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Sheep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Our lead story tonight, The Lead. The lead. Finally, Ole Miss basketball has landed Jamin Brakefield. He announced on Wednesday his commitment to Ole Miss. He did it through Twitter like they all do at this point with an elaborate graphic kind of motion movie-ish kind of deal on Twitter. But he's here. He's arrived. The transfer from Duke. The third spring edition for Ole Miss basketball joining Ty Fagan of Georgia in Miami's Nasir Brooks. Now, Ole Miss might not be done. I think they'll continue to monitor the transfer market and if the perfect opportunity presents itself. And we all know what that means. Outside shooting. If it presents itself, they won't hesitate. But now, they don't have to add anyone else. They can be very selective. They can look for one particular need. Because Jamin Brakefield is officially an Ole Miss Rebel. Brad, your thoughts on this big development? Well, I mean, I, I think it's exciting. Obviously, you know, he was a pretty highly talented recruit coming out. And anytime you're, you're plucking somebody from Duke, um, it just it just looks good. It feels good. So um, I, I think that, you know, obviously I don't follow basketball like you do, but um, I, I did see a lot of hype around him, and I, I'm pretty pumped up about it. I mean, I, I still think we're a player or two away. I'd like, I'd like for us to add, but I don't know how the numbers add up and all that. But um, – yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think that we we're certainly certainly can can floor floor a team that's that's much more competitive today than what we thought yesterday. Adding this kid, um, and, and, and when basketball, it's crazy, man. I mean, these transfer portal. I mean, you could you could totally change your whole team. One more guy, and you could have four new starters going into the into the season next year, which is um, which is crazy. I mean, you can have a whole new team. So. Um, a lot of teams in the tournament were transfer portal teams that 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 the year before didn't have that have a lot of those guys. So um, yeah, I mean it can change fast in basketball, and I think we're we're getting close to changing a little bit. When you texted me before we recorded after the news broke, you asked me for a starting lineup for next year, and when I sent it to you, which was Jarkel Joiner slash Deshaun Ruffin at the one, the two Matthew Morell slash Ty Fagan, the three Luis Rodriguez that's his spot, Brakefield at the four, Brooks at the five. Your response was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that that would be a competitive lineup. I mean, I th think that it's all going to come down to, um, you know, if, if morale can take the next step, 
and 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 be a, a good outside shooter for, for us and then um you know maybe maybe one of the freshmen step up the the roughing kid i know that he i mean i i, I know i'm i'm high on him i like i like the underdog kind of guys like that i mean you know he's highly rated he's still a, a smaller guy with some explosion i think he's one of those dudes that's going to add, add a spark but um we'll see you know how he, how he looks in sec basketball but um you get a guy like that coming in doing well well, and then you know with these transfers i mean i think we can be a competitive team we were only one game um one game away from the tournament last year likely and i mean i i can say we were probably maybe a little bit better this year breakfield played in 22 games he started two averaged 12.5 minutes 3.5 points 2.5 rebounds and i know some of you out there are going to go well that's not very impressive don't read anything into the numbers because when he did get opportunity which was rare there was a lot of talent at his position. And that Duke team was weird because really it was a hodgepodge of really talented four and five star guys that never really clicked. And Coach K basically tried so many different types of lineups that no one guy stood out. So don't read too much into the numbers. When he got opportunity, he performed. He got 29 minutes against number seven Virginia, put up 11 points. He can shoot it and step out from three. That's what Ole Miss needs from the four position. It's an upgrade over K.J. Buffin. And if Kermit Davis follows through with his plan to speed up the offense, not have that half-court slog of an offense that it was last year, then Jamin Brakefield can be a huge part of that because not only can he provide some stretch from four, but also go to the five if you want to play a little smaller and run with Luis Rodriguez at the four, Ty Fagan at the three, Morrell, Ruffin, or Joyner at the one, and run. So it fits exactly what they're looking for. But you're right. They are missing one more piece at least, and that's outside shooting. And like I mentioned before, if there is an opportunity in the portal that presents itself, Ole Miss is not going to hesitate. Because there are some candidates on the roster to be replaced. I'm not going to name them because that just seems like a shitty thing to do. But there are some candidates if you could find the right improvement for that one specific need that Ole Miss has. But with Brakefield in the fold, Ole Miss now has no other scholarships available. None. But they continue to have a dialogue with Hadeem C., who's in the portal. He's heard from ECU, who recruited him back when Ole Miss signed him. The possibility remains he returns. And that would be a big addition because not only would Nasir Brooks pr- provide defensive value for you in the starting lineup, but Hadim C provides similar value, if lesser, but offensively he's an improvement. That would be a good one-two punch at the five. That would help, and he doesn't count toward your scholarship number because he's one of those guys impacted by COVID. So all seniors in the spring impacted by COVID got an additional year of eligibility, and it doesn't count toward your overall scholarship number. So ideally... Ole Miss gets Hadeem C back, and right now they're talking to him. So that's kind of where everything stands basketball-wise. The most important takeaway here in this lead edition, installment, whatever, of Talk of Champions is Ole Miss basketball can be selective now because the biggest piece of all pieces that they were pursuing in the transfer market has landed. Jamin Brakefield. Ben, is there any other names out there that, that have been floated around? Around that, that were potential candidates that they're looking at currently, or, or is it is it pretty much just a, a selective process now of who who could who who could potentially come up? There are some names, but honestly, it's a best available situation now. They're okay. going to be involved with everyone, but not too hot with anyone, if that makes sense. And what I mean is, they know what they're looking for. So if they can get deep off in the game with one particular type of player. They're going to entertain every single player like that. But if they can actually get into the game with one of them, like they did with Myron Jones, who ended up at Florida, and land him, that's when it becomes serious. So it's all about a selective process. Is this is this the part of the year in basketball where they where they do transfer? Um, I mean, what, is is this kind of the transfer portal season, yeah. so to speak, for, right for basketball? Right yes. now. Okay. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. These kids will arrive in June. And we'll be done covering basketball transfer stuff. But there still could be some movement. Because think about this. This time last year, there were 738 players in the portal in basketball. Right now, there's double that. So a lot of these kids aren't going to have a place to go. Or 
maybe a guy you didn't think you'd be able to land is going to be available to you later. So there's a chance that Ole Miss isn't done putting together its roster until August. All the while, we'll be done for a couple of months, but covering football transfer possibilities because that's a very real thing. Yeah, see, football football to me is is so interesting with the transfers because it's um, I feel like it's it's prolonged now to after spring football. They're giving guys a chance to to see where they're going to be in the depth chart in spring football, and then you know going. Um, not only does it happen after the season when they're unhappy, but maybe after spring where they're like, well, you know, nothing really changed. So um, I feel like it's such a prolonged process in football. Jamin Brakefield in the 2020 class. And Ole Miss was the front runner for him for like three years. He moved to Jackson, Mississippi when he was 11, played for an AAU team based out of Jackson, actually started his high school career at Madison Ridgeland and moved to finish his career to West Virginia to play for Huntington Prep, which is that powerhouse that feeds college's top basketball prospects. And he finished in 2020 as the number 42 overall player in the 247 sports composite rankings. So this is not just some, oh, you know, Ty Fagan, yeah, we like him, but he doesn't address exactly what you did. No, this guy, for almost the way they view it, he addresses exactly what they need. They love Ty Fagan. I'm not trying to knock Ty Fagan. I'm simply saying, for a lot of you, you didn't think Ty Fagan made a lot of sense for what they need. And I get that. Because he's not a volume perimeter shooter. But he does facilitate and do a lot of the things that make Luis Rodriguez really good. So if he can take away some of the burden from Luis Rodriguez in doing that dirty work stuff that Luis does, well, maybe now Luis can be opened up more from three. Maybe that's where the source comes from. Maybe Matthew Morrell has more opportunity from three. Or none of that works, and you're going to see again a jumbled up mess in the middle of the floor, in the middle of the block, to where it's just going to be tough for them offensively. But Brakefield, unlike Buffin, will actually attempt three-point shots, and he can make them at a pretty proficient clip. So this is a guy that addresses exactly what they needed at the four. Because here's something everyone needs to know and remember about K.J. Buffin. Yeah, he transferred... That was a mutually agreed-upon thing. He wasn't coming back regardless. And you might be thinking to yourself, that sounds like sour grapes. It's not. It is the most well-sourced thing I can provide you. They had agreed, both parties, to part ways at the end of the year. Now, he left prematurely before the NIT, but that was always going to happen. And to end up at UAB is hilarious because it seems like the biggest troll job ever from Andy Kennedy, but whatever. Jamin Brakefield landing at Ole Miss finally happened, and it was supposed to happen last week, but a family matter delayed what was inevitably going to be where he landed, which was Ole Miss. For the most part, the big-name kids like this kid, when they go into the portal, they know where they're going, and he knew he was going to Ole Miss. And same thing for football. But football, Ole Miss has got a lot of things it's going to be working on in the transfer market coming up. But also there's a party in the SIP on Saturday, which brings us to a football fix. Football fix. That's what we call a sack lunch. I don't know what party in the SIP means, Brad, but you've become very close with this staff. You've been out there. What are you expecting on Saturday? Um, if, if I had to guess, I mean, it's going to be a, it'll be a cool scrimmage. I mean, they, um, they'll, it'll be competitive. I think that, um, they, they know that there's gonna be a lot of people in town for this game. So I, I think you'll see some fun plays. I think you'll see, um, I, I don't think you'll see, you know, I don't think they'll get too deep into the offense. Um, just from the simple fact that I think in, in going to these scrimmages, this, um, this spring, um, I think the scrimmages that you you don't see quite the full full slate of offense, and that's just for for obvious reasons. With um, you know people people coming to practice, because you don't want to get too much, give away too much out there. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be fun though. I think it'll be it'll be a good competitive scrimmage. I think you'll see some guys competing, and I think at the end you'll see some some of the younger guys kind of kind of extend it out a little bit and get some playing time as well. Well, the Grove Bowl visit list of recruits has been released by one David Johnson, who was on this podcast on Monday. If you want to check out all of that, go to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and if you live 247 Sports. That's the website that I write for. Also, because I haven't told you yet, if you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions and iTunes, and when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, leave a review. Make it five stars. Call me dumb. I don't care. I don't care. 
Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Okay, so I was looking at this visit list. It's like 75 guys. Kamari Rogers, he's a four-star cornerback out of Lexington, Mississippi. Ole Miss commitment, Marquez Dorch, four-star out of Loosedale. Four-star Michigan, oh, predicted Michigan commitment. Not a Michigan commitment, but predicted to Michigan by Steve Wolfong, the lead expert on 247 Sports. Taylor Groves, a wide receiver out of Cross Plains, Tennessee. Ole Miss has got the second best odds behind Michigan to land him. Keep going on and on and on. Jalen Lewis out of Brownsville, Tennessee, a cornerback. Um, Xavier Harris, a Madison, Mississippi four-star defensive tackle. Aaron Bryan, a three-star defensive tackle out of South Haven. Four-star defensive end Quincy Wiggins. There's going to be so many guys on campus. And the Grove Bowl, I think that's where all this party in the set, the theme stuff comes from, is this is not, yes, it's a moment for the fans to get to go see the team and get to enjoy a day with the team. But it's not like they're going to go out there and just put forth a lot of game tape for opposing teams. It's going to be very vanilla. It's not going to be a typical game-like atmosphere. They're going to make it a different type of atmosphere, which I think is the right way to go. And that's why they want so many fans in attendance. And that's why they're encouraging this, this party and the SIP stuff, this theme stuff, because of the amount of kids that are going to be on campus. They're using this. And I think it's the right approach as the first kickoff of what is expected to be an absolutely bum rush of recruiting momentum going into the summer once that dead period or no contact period is lifted in June. This is the start of that. And they're using this as a massive recruiting stage. And that's where all this is coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what else is really cool is this is really going to be the first weekend where, um, you know, where, where, where we can have a, a ton of recruits there with fans being there. Um, obviously got the baseball activities going on. So I think they're just, um, they're really anticipating a huge weekend for, you know, in Oxford and then these recruits on top of that being here. I mean, it's, it's, it's really setting up. We have not seen the staff um, be able to operate with kids on campus and what they can do um, while, you know, letting Ole Miss sell itself. I mean, you got to think we were top, top 20 recruiting class last year and Ole Miss didn't get to sell itself one bit. You know, only reason why those kids came was because Lane Kiffin. So what are we going to do now? Does this land us an extra couple guys? I think so. I think it, I think it can potentially put us kind of closer to that 10 range. Um, you know, with it, depending on if we win as well, if we win and kids can come on campus, um, you know, and Ole Miss can sell itself on top of having our staff we have. I mean, it could be a really deadly combo. I can see Ole Miss really putting together a great recruiting class, and I think this is kind of the start of it coming up this weekend. Okay, so they put together that really impressive class last year without meeting any of these players in person, and they've really embraced all new technology that they can. They FaceTime kids all the time. They do the Zoom calls. Everything you can think of technologically, they've taken advantage of that, and that's what allowed them to overcome all the impediments to their recruiting efforts because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So now that you know this staff better than I do, you've hung out with them, you've met them, you've talked to them. I've only talked to them in official settings. So I ask you this, once they get these opportunities, will there be a tangible difference in how they recruit and the caliber of prospect they landed, knowing that they landed really good players last time? I mean, Tysheem Johnson, Marquise Brown, there's so many guys out there that they landed that are really good, but do you expect them to change and maybe take their game to another level as far as recruiting now that they get to talk to these kids in person. I do. I think it will. And I, I think one thing that's going to benefit them too is, is actually, is actually getting to come out to practice and seeing the vibe of practice and how, how much fun lane keeps it, man. I mean, it's, a, they work their tail off, but at the same time, like it's got a cool professional vibe to it and, and that they do have some fun. I think just being here in, in Oxford in, in general, man, I mean, it's a place that you hear Say if you're from a Michigan or a New Jersey or something, you hear okay Mississippi. People probably you people really have never been here. They probably think what they've only seen on movies or or what they what they you know they they have this perception. Well, Miss, when they actually get here and see how clean and nice and safe the campus is and how you know how inviting the community is, I think it it kind of sells itself and then you kind of get this cool feel. Man, it's not like a lot of places you visit. I, I visited some places coming out and it, this has a, a much more like centralized feel to it and it's it's got a real college feel to it which is which is cool so i think that's going to help them out big time um on top of just being able to hang with the guys are pretty authentic guys so and they have a lot of fun so i mean i i i think that they can only do better from here considering what they were represented last year well lane touched on the transfer portal when meeting with the media yesterday 
yesterday being Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. You might be listening to this on Thursday or Friday. If you are, hey, a baseball game on Thursday. It's happening tonight. Anyway, so he touched on the transfer portal, and he was asked about the recent NCAA ruling allowing each student-athlete a free transfer without the loss of immediate eligibility, the one-time penalty-free transfer we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, and how it's changed Ole Miss's approach to the portal. And he said this. He said, I think because it's not like it used to be, where you were just looking at grad transfers, which is immediate need, I think you've got to look at it a little bit different. And the best players sometimes, because guys might have two, three, or four years of eligibility left, it's a little bit more complicated than it used to be. So playing the math out scholarship-wise, but also is this guy I'm bringing in, if he's got three years left, really better than the freshman that I'm going to develop and that I handpicked, is grad transfer the best way to go? And that's when you start to look at their positions. They got three open scholarships, tight end, grad transfer. That makes sense. But if they use one on an offensive lineman, well, maybe that's the place where they go multi-year with a transfer, right? So now you have to start to consider the math when you're weighing potential transfer possibilities for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to look at it too. Okay. Hey, if am I going to bring in a kid that has, has, you know, quite a few years left and how does he stack up compared to what I have? I mean, it, it, is he a kid that I can develop or do I need someone older? That's, that's a real immediate need, like a tight end. Um, I take whoever you can get at that at this point, you know, so we can get a, a good sizable body in here, but yeah, you're right. I think that, I think a lot of it goes into, into what you see in the future for, for each kid. And, um, you know, you also don't want to bring in too many at one position too. And then you, you know, push another kid you think could be a good player out as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot that goes into it now, especially especially considering that the future of some of these kids. They've got three spots, like I mentioned. Tight end especially is going to be a spot where they really target as many guys as possible. Or maybe they've got their guy already targeted and pretty much locked in, which we've heard a name, but whatever. If you had to pick the other two spots, not tight end, just the other two spots that you think they could address, what would those spots be? Um, I think absolutely offensive tackle. I would like to see a, a, a sure enough offense tackle and, 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 and for the main reason, either offense tackle or center um, for the main reason, cause I would love to get broker and um, Brown as the guards that I think that that would be a huge, a huge advantage for us. It would make our line so much better. Um, you know, cause they would be, be at a more of a natural position. So um, getting those two guys at guard would make our line really, really good. And then, you know, I think that obviously tight ends one, and then you look at, um, I, I still think that maybe one more wide receiver. I really do. If you could get a guy that was a really good slot or really good player, um, I think it would only help just because that, that room has a lot of talent, but there's really not a lot of experience in there. And I think that that's some, that's some good solid experience would help. Also, in regards to the offensive line, think about this. Jeremy James and Nick Broker, that's their starting tackles. Who backs them up? Who's the backup tackle on this roster? I can't figure it out for the life of me. It's probably Ben Brown, and he's not practicing right now. So offensive tackle, even if you move Nick Broker into guard, yeah, and you get what you wanted. You need one anyway for depth purposes solely. Because they don't have one, one obvious guy on this roster to just step in and be the obvious backup offensive tackle. Now they got guys they like, Tobias Braun being one of them. Yep. But Cedric Belton's playing guard right now. And it's directly addressed to what you're talking about here that Cedric Melton's playing guard because Jeremy James is playing right tackle. But even if Jeremy James and Nick Broker were exactly where they need to be, playing tackles, they still need a tackle because they don't have a swing tackle or just tackle depth in general. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think O line is is a, is a serious need, and I think that they will they will potentially address that. Um, but it, it's just a hard position. I mean, tight end, tight end. I think you can find someone. Tackle is just. I mean, if you're a good tackle, you're probably already starting for a big time school. And if you know if you're out on the market, I mean, who knows what you're actually going to get? You know, so um, that that position in general has always been a hard position to find. That's why it's paid so much in the NFL. But especially just looking in the portal, there's not just um, six, seven, 315 pound dudes that can move and, and kick ass everywhere. I told you there was a lot of news in regards to Ole Miss sports today. So let's go around the circle. Around the circle. That's the trouble around here. Talk, talk, talk. Brad, did you know today, 20 years ago today, the Saints drafted Deuce McAllister. Do you feel old? Because I sure as hell do. No, 20 years ago? 20 yeah. years. 
I mean, dude, there's nothing nothing better than a Deuce McAllister over the top, man. I mean, you knew when you're on the two yard line, um, that ball was given to Deuce, man. There was nothing cooler than watching him dive over the top. I mean, it was an automatic touchdown. I freaking love Deuce. Yeah, I don't even hide my fandom of Deuce. He's a good friend. He's a friend of the pod. He's been on here countless times, and I tell him even to this day, yeah, we're friends. Yeah, we can play golf together. But dude, you're like one of my favorite players ever. It doesn't matter, you know. Everyone will say, oh, Ben, you homer. I grew up an Ole Miss fan. I haven't run from that. And any person that has had ever any kind of fandom in regards to Ole Miss, if you aren't a fan of Deuce, there's something wrong with you. Because <laughs> it's the Deuce up over the top. I've, I framed the Daily Journal, I think it was against Mississippi State, when they had the perfect picture of an up and over the top by Deuce, the Deuce leap, the McAllister leap, whatever they called it. Remember the shadow Deuce McAllister Heisman campaign going into his senior year? Oh, yeah. Back I then when it seemed so insane that Ole Miss could have a Heisman candidate that wasn't named Archie Manning, and it took until Eli got here and did something ridiculous and lost, finished third, even though obviously he should have won. Anyway, but back then, Ole Miss, the idea of a Heisman candidate seemed absurd, and Deuce was the first time everyone went, yeah, sure, why not? I'm, I'm I'm almost certain we had the bumper sticker on our car. I still have one. <laughs> I mean, I'm the biggest Deuce nerd ever. I tell him this. It's kind of embarrassing at this point. But now he's just enjoying himself on the golf course. 20 years ago. 20 years. Oh, my God. I watched that. I watched that entire draft. He and I have talked about that draft a number of times on this podcast about how he'd heard from the Patriots and the Giants, and he thought the Giants was going to take him. 20 years? Really? Also, in regards to the draft, I looked at a recent mock from Pro Football Focus, which in my opinion had the best draft mock of any of them so far. Elijah Moore, not to the Titans, but to the Jaguars. It feels like wherever he ends up, he's going to land in the first round, in the back end of the first round. He's worked his way into it. Yeah, I think that's consensus. Um, but but as I've said before, man, I mean, it's hard to predict the draft, especially when you get to the back in the first round as well, because um, there's always that team that throws it off early. I mean, they come in and they trade up, they do something crazy, and then then it'll throw a guy off for ten picks because he isn't a part of the need for the next ten picks. So, um, I mean, it's so hard to predict. I, I think you can. It's safe to say Elijah Moore will be going in the first two rounds. Um, I, 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 if he don't go in the first round, he'll be very early in the second. So I, I, I think he's, um, he's definitely worked his way into that first round conversation and it's getting more and more here lately. If you look at the numbers, the analytics, he got open on 71% of his routes last year. He was also in the 91 percentile in catches. That's insane. Insane. We don't value enough how good Elijah Moore was. I think... He's going to go down as the greatest slot receiver in Ole Miss football history. And that, in this modern NFL, that plays. There's a need for that. And the reason why he's getting so much love for the first round is because of that. His skill set for what NFL teams look for now, it fits perfectly. It used to be that it was kind of taboo to draft a guy, oh, you're just drafting a slot receiver. Well, now it's a need. You have to draft a slot receiver. And he's the best one in this group. Now, it's a deep wide receiver class, and that could hurt him. Because when it does get like this, and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, they fail because of this. When you've got a deep group, teams know they can wait, so they wait. It's like they all get together and say, you know what? We all know. We're all in on it, right? We know it's a deep group. Let's just wait. So that could happen. But if you are an NFL team in the late first round, and you're just picking solely on one of the very best players, one of the top 32 players in this draft. Elijah Moore has an argument, a very compelling argument, to be one of the top 32 players in this draft. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, first off, he was very impressive as pro day. I did not know he could move quite like that. I mean, it was – I think he wowed a lot of the scouts, which was, which was good for him. But, yeah, I mean, he, he, has, he has something that, that no one can take away from him, and that's production on the field. That's where people get lost in this shit. Um, it, the, the tape, the tape is, is your best resume, man. You, you can go out there and do whatever in shorts, whatever, but the man produced. And, and when you produce at a, at a clip that he produced at, 
um, that, that there's there's no there's no denying it. So he he's going to be a good NFL player. And if teams overthink it, well, then they're going to be stuck like everybody is. Everybody is whenever they regret not having DK Metcalf. So, um, yeah, he's he, he's certainly going to be somebody's going to fall in love with him. Somebody's going to draft him. Um, you know, and I think he's going to be a really good football player. I really do. Well, last thing before we get out of here and jump to Mac Brown, Ole Miss punter. He's coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. Lane was also asked about what's been accomplished this spring, and he didn't have much of an answer. Defensively, he obviously thinks they've improved, but they've been so banged up offensively. And I had somebody talking to me, I think it was on Tuesday. might have been Wednesday morning. I can't remember. But there was some concern about Matt Corral's spring and how he was throwing the ball, kind of overthrowing and stuff. And I simply said, just stop. I'm not worried about Matt Corral. And if you are, okay, fine, whatever. You can be worried if you want to. But, dude, they've had so many guys out. I mean, he's had his entire wide receiver core out. Offensive lineman out. Ben Brown hasn't practiced. Jerion Ely hasn't practiced. He hasn't had anything at his disposal that he will have. They don't even have their tight end potentially on campus yet. So I'm not worried about Matt Corral. But the injuries are a big deal. And the question, it's not COVID stuff either. There's been so little COVID stuff. I mean, that's not even a problem right now. They're not even thinking about that right now. It's actual injuries. And is that something that should be concerning for the fall? Or is that just a spring thing? That it just happens that way. And then even if it's just a minor injury, keep them on the shelf. It doesn't matter. Let them heal up. Give them the whole summer. The fall is all that matters. Like, is there something to injuries? Or do you really not put too much stock into it? No, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it until they're made injuries whenever whenever there's a bunch of guys go down with major injuries and that's you know that that can be concerning but i mean if you have a, a you know guys that are don't want to go out there, don't want to be out there in the spring and risk it um completely and it's it's an injury that that you need to go ahead and take care of so it doesn't linger over into the summer or the fall um you know so be it i mean i, I would rather have the guy when it actually counts so um i i don't think they're a big deal until you get to you get um you know the major injuries or you get into the camp and there's a bunch of guys missing so you know whether whether people you know believe it or not, you know a lot a lot of a lot of the stuff is out of precaution. I mean, they 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 would rather a guy not go out there and, and just absolutely blow his hamstring out on, you know, on the middle of a spring practice than that than you know not have him for the fall. So I think a lot of, a lot of it is them holding guys out just to be cautious. Yeah, if they needed Braylon Sanders or Jonathan Mingo to go right now for a game, they could probably go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, these aren't major injuries, but you want to go ahead and get these things taken care of because you do not want these things carrying over and then making you miss a game. And then that's when it really counts. And that's when you're really in trouble. So you're not worried about Matt Corral at all? <laughs> no, I'm not worried about Matt Corral at all. Cause I seen him live and I seen, you know, kind of what all is going on. I mean, he has a ton of different receivers going in and out of there. Um, but yeah, he's got different running backs going in and out. I mean, it's, it, it listen, the, the fall is what it is. They script. There's some called scripting in football where they're, you know, they pick the defense, they pick the play. I mean, you can make a practice look as good as you want or as bad as you want. I've seen it all be done. So do not put any stock into, into what they do versus each other while they sit in the coach's room and create these scripts and create these practices. So um, when the games are flying and, and you can't script against the other team, you can only script what you think, then we'll, then we'll judge a Matt Crowell and how he's doing. But, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go, you know, judge a guy off of when you're doing a period and it's like, okay, here's 10 blitzes in a row. Um, let's. I mean, it's football practice is practice. I mean, you're there to get better, but a lot of the shit is scripted, so you can't, it's hard to judge guys solely off off of that, especially when they know each other really well as well. And also, I have a full season's worth of film of Matt Corral in a ten game All SEC schedule, and he produced, and he's actually being floated as a dark horse Heisman candidate going into this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really worried. I saw him do it. I saw him. Yeah, he lost Elijah Moore. And we need to acknowledge that's a huge loss. So is Royce Newman. Kenny Eboa. Kenny Eboa is more replaceable. Royce Newman, that's going to be a tough one to replace, but Jeremy James has been really good. Hopefully they add a tackle in the transfer market. They need one. Elijah Moore not having him, that's a big deal. And wide receivers definitely been the spot this spring where they've been hit the hardest as far as injury. So I, I grant you that. Even still, I saw it. With my eyes, I saw it. I know he's a good player. I know he's a good quarterback. He's the best returning quarterback in the SEC. I'm not worried about Matt Corral. Well, for, fortunately for us, um, if you look at when those guys went out, it does suck losing those guys, but the numbers did not change, and that's because the scheme. The scheme is designed to to produce, and that, that that's what no matter who's in there, they're, they're going to have to produce because that's what the scheme is going to call for. So even with those guys out, you know, we still put up, you know, 
pretty gaudy numbers. So, um, you know, it certainly helps having elite talent in there like those guys. But at, at the end of the day, this this scheme is designed very well to to get guys open and to and to produce a lot of yards. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions on iTunes, and when you do, leave a five star review. It's been a while. Hadn't seen a review. I want one. And I want it to be five stars. And I don't care what you say. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Mac Brown, Ole Miss football punter. Before we do, bye, buddy. See you, Ben. Hotty toddy. Let's hear from Cheney's Pharmacy and B&A Bank, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Oxford, Mississippi is always at its best in the spring and summer. The sun is shining, the square is popping, and you actually now get to go back to Ole Miss Athletics events in person. What could be better? But the only way to truly enjoy everything that Oxford and Ole Miss has to offer is to make sure you're still taking care of yourself, keeping yourself safe, and that you have a pharmacy you know you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221 or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter going now to the Modern Woodman phone line with the Grove Bowl coming up on Saturday to speak to Mac Brown. He's Ole Miss's punter. What's up, man? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Just wrapped up practice. You know, a beautiful day out here in Oxford, so can't complain. Okay, so tell me, I'm used to going out there to practice, and all the specialists, y'all are doing your own thing. Do you kind of get mixed up with everybody else, or you just stay off to the side, do your thing, and do what y'all do? Oh, man, we've been working over on the side a little bit, trying to, you know, get better, just making kicks this year, and, uh, you know, working on flipping the field and everything. But, you know, we're, we're trying to catch, uh, catch some, uh, some big plays from Matt and the defense, you know. Always fun to kind of go mix it up when uh, when they're starting to do team periods and stuff. For you, it's interesting, man, because this is your last year. You decided to come back. You didn't have to. There was some flirtation maybe with thinking about going pro, whatever it might be. Why was being a part of this team this year important to you? I mean, you know, coming off that big bowl win against Indiana, you know, that was a that was a huge win, and that was super exciting. And, uh, you know, after talking with my family and Coach Kiffin and everything, I think the best decision was just to – come back, finish up my master's, um, and get to play another year of football. You know, um, I can't complain every time I come down here, I'm just, you know, blessed to be able to walk in this facility, you know, starting off as a walk on, uh, just that mentality of, uh, taking every day and, um, and enjoying it. So, you know, it's free football and, uh, I love to play. Obviously we didn't get too many punts in last year. So, you know, I think this year we'll probably get the same amount of punts and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, compete for a national championship. And I want to be a part of that. What was that walk-on life like? And to get to this point, what all work did you put in? You know, I came in my freshman year, obviously from being from Minnesota, not knowing anybody. Um, you know, I did everything they asked. You know, I played scout team safety my freshman year. Did, you know, scout team punts as well. Uh, but I had a great, you know, support staff here. And, they're you know, we're great with our walk-ons here. And, you know, trying to get them on the field as, as fast as we can. But, 
you know, just coming in with that mentality of, you know, working every day and just cause you're a walk on doesn't mean you can't beat out a scholarship guy. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the goal for me was to earn a scholarship to get onto the field and, um, you know, help my family out a little bit better financially. So, um, was able to achieve some of those goals, but you know, that national championship rings, you know, up next. So that's this year. Wait a second. What is Mac Brown, the safety like? <laughs> I think I was a lot better my freshman year at that, you know, coming from high school, playing a little receiver and safety, but, um, you know, back, back in the day going one-on-one with Evan Ingram was always fun and, uh, watching Chad and them throw the ball around. That was always, uh, it was always fun to see them, uh, see them play every day. Did you ever get an interception or a big play? Did you ever get a hype moment I think I in practice? Had one. Oh, yeah, nice! I actually, I got one. I got one interception against Chad and Evan, and uh, I still show my parents that highlight from time to time. It's saved in my phone for sure. I mean, my God, Mac, you should be tweeting that out, <laughs> shooting it out on Facebook. Just anytime Evan <laughs> or Chad is mentioned, it's like, hey, well, look what's on my resume. Exactly, I need to. I, I still joke with Chad about it from time to time. Just. Uh, just to mess with them. So it's always funny. It's always funny to look back on. Who would have guessed Ole Miss has a ball hawk as a punter? Good for you, Mac. Now, that's something I didn't know. Look, that's why you come on this podcast. Think, this is great. I know. I think that helped with the tackles a couple of years ago. I think all that uh, all that uh, safety training actually helped out. So what do you do now? Because you've been in this so long and you've produced at this level, you understand what it takes. So how do you improve? What is the improvement? You know, I think for me, it's just consistency and, uh, you know, putting the ball, you know, I left a couple of balls last year in the middle of the field. And, um, you know, I just know that, you know, give my, uh, give the defense the best field position to work with. And, you know, that's inside the 20 and that's, and that's without a return. So, you know, for me this year, it's, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on hang time and, and distance and just, you know, giving, giving time for my gunners to run down the field and make those plays or just force a fair catch. Um, you know, I, this new scheme that we're working on is, um, you know, is great and, and it fits me really well. And um, I think it fits our, our coverage team really well as, as well. And, and it's exciting to have, you know, those gunners that want to be down there. We've had some guys that step up and they want to be on the punt team. So I think it'll be a, an exciting year if we get the punt. Hopefully not. But if we do, it'll be exciting to see those guys run down the field. They're hungry. There is an art to this. There's an art to punting. And I think a lot of people, I include myself among them, don't understand what it takes if, for example, you're trying to pin a team back. If you're trying to pin them within the five, say you're on the right hash mark and you're punting, how do you do that? Like, what is the angle that it has to come off your foot? What's the whole technique of it? Because I have no clue how that works. You know, for me, it's just, uh, you know, getting comf- being comfortable back there. You know, my best ball is when, uh, when I'm comfortable and I'm loose. And, uh, you know, for me, it's just picking a spot out in the stadium and, and you just aim exactly for that stadium. You just take everything in your body and you put it right there. That's all that. That's what I think of. It's kind of like... Uh, uh, you know, I, I always think of the, the greatest game ever played, that golf movie, blocking everything out, taking a deep breath and uh, clearing everything out and just putting the ball where it needs to be. Did you feel like you got new life because you weren't rugby punting anymore? I did. I did. I, you know, I never was a huge fan of the rugby punts. Um, you know, obviously just was just did it because of the scheme. And, um, you know, the guy who came before me, Will Gleason, uh, you know, he gave me his best tutorial on it, but I'm not Australian, so... You know, I uh, I prefer to stay in the pocket, and you know I've enjoyed it a lot more since uh, since I'm able to do that. What is the strategy difference between rugby punting and just standing back there catching the ball and then kicking the crap out of it? You know, I think I think holding on to the ball a little bit longer as you roll out always helps, um, and just you know giving some time to um, for your returners to get down the field. But you know, there's also more room for air as you're rolling out. You know, they know exactly where you're rolling out to, and um, kind of your launch point and everything. So. You know, I prefer to stay behind the shield, stay behind those big guys in front of me that uh, stick their head in there every play and block for me. So I'd rather stay behind them than, them than, you know, roll out and get a chance to get my leg taken off. Is the way you're approaching this is that you're going to try to be a pro? Do you aspire to be an NFL punter? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's been the goal since day one. And, um, you know, Coach Giffen believes in me and, uh, you know, the staff here believes in me. And, um, you know, that's key to have that confidence from the coach's staff that they want to get you there. And, um, and I think that's what's so great about Ole Miss here is, uh, you know, they're pushing everybody to be a pro. That pro mindset's real here. And um, um, I think that's that's what's special about Ole Miss with this new staff is, is they want to get you there and, and they'll do whatever they can to do that. He's been at that level. He's coached at that level. He knows what it takes to be an NFL punter. What do scouts and evaluators from the NFL teams value as far as what they want in a punter? Is it hang time? Is it distance? Is it both? I, I don't know. I just, what do they value? 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, hang time and distance. I mean, you got guys back there like Tyree Kill that are pretty dangerous with the ball in their hand in open space. So, you know, whatever you can do to limit the return, kick the ball so deep in the corner that you can pretty much cut the field up into about a fourth or, um, you know, completely take, just time it up with your gunner. So when they catch that ball, your gunners are right there, not overkick your coverage. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. And, um, you know, all those, all those are things that apply in college too. So I think this year, you know, having that pro mindset and taking taking that approach to it will uh, will accelerate this uh, this punt team. I can't remember a time if there's ever been one when there's been a theme for the Grove Bowl. So what does party in the sit mean? What the hell should be, people be expecting here? Oh, it's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, big thing about this team is we we have fun here, and um, you know, it's going to be it's just going to be a party. You guys will have to come check it out. You're going to have to come watch and uh, come be a part of it because uh, Saturday is going to be a blast. And uh, hopefully, you know, we pack the vault. Wait, what's going to happen here? Y'all are going to drop disco balls from the field goal post? What's going oh, on? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I'm, I'm telling you, you got to come and check it out. Oh, my I, God. I can't, I can't spill all the beans. Oh, my God. I'm, I know. I know. Uh, I know the coach has got some fun things uh, planned. I know you'll see some players in some fun outfits and uh, – there's going to be a, there's going to be a cool surprise. That's See, for sure. That's the right way to go about spring games because let's be honest, they got a little stale. Have a dance party, Mac. Just go with that. <laughs> we'll have a time for sure. That's a, we will absolutely have a time. So what's the update on the lemonade stand? So we are, um, we're approaching, this is our 10th year. So uh, we're setting the date uh, for early June right now in Minnesota. Um, you know, we're going to continue with uh, what we did last year. Um, and, and push more of the throwing shade at ALS with the challenge. So just like last year, how people threw on some sunglasses, took a picture, you know, um, we'll come up with a hashtag. Uh, obviously I'll work with my sister on that. And, um, once again, we're just, um, we're just pushing to continue to raise money for this cause. And, um, I think we got some, some really fun things planned for this year that, uh, might be coming up this fall. I'm still waiting on some approvals from that, but, um, you know, I think that this year is a special year just being the. 10th year and last year we made you know over we're over a hundred thousand dollars now so you know we're we're pushing really good money and it's really exciting to you know hear back from the als institute of technology on um you know how thankful they are for all of us coming together and doing this um you know it, it's truly uh it's i, I didn't think it was going to get this big and, and it's really exciting to see it um continue to grow like this yeah that was gonna be my next question man is this something now how far it's come that you think will be a part of your life for as long as you go, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, it, you know, it's always been tough to continue to, have, you know, knock on the same doors that, you know, feed you money every single year for this. But, um, you know, it's something that um, every year you hear stories from different people that have suffered from AOS or, you know, families that have just been affected by it. And, you know, that, that is what pushes me to continue to do this is those stories that people say and, and how much, you know, this lemonade standard, you know, this challenge means to them. Um, and, and that's why, and that's why me and my family continue to do it because it just, you know, it means so much to them and it means a lot to us as well. Whether you go to the NFL or not, man, take it national. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the plan. Um, last thing I'll let you go. I've talked to every single player about this. That's come on this podcast, be it Tylen Knight or Hess or whoever it might be, Quentin Bivens, the difference or the atmosphere, the environment out there at practices, no one's really gotten to see what the coaches are like, what a practice is like until this year. And that's only a couple of scrimmages. So for those that don't understand what it's like and what they can expect come Saturday, what is it like out there? What's the difference you've seen? Cause you've been through multiple staffs now. What is the difference? What's it like? You know, seeing these different staffs come through here, I would say this is the most competitive group of players we've had. Um, you know, every day out there, it's a, it's a constant battle. Um, whether it be, you know, all these DBs that just came in, you know, they're fighting for spots, you know, there's only four DBs on the field. So, you know, you know, we got like 30 of them right now. So all those guys are fighting every single day and, you know, whether it be a, whether it be a, a veteran or a freshman, you know, e, you know, it doesn't matter. The best is going to play. And I think, you know, this team is um, extremely talented um, and we just have guys stepping up in places and it's going to be, you know, 11 guys on offense and 11 guys on defense. And that's all that's going to play. And I think everybody's hungry to, to get out on the field and be a part of this. Everybody said the same thing, that it's just so much fun out there. What makes it fun? You know, it's just the environment. It's just, you know, I think competition is fun. I think when guys are pushing each other to be their best, it's fun. And uh, seeing each, you know, each day everybody's, you know, getting better. And that's one thing that, um, you know, I think as a team we're growing and uh, we're growing fast. And, you know, as, as at the end of the season last year, we were, 
you know, we were feeling really good after the Indiana game. And I think we're building off that continually right now. And we haven't had that opportunity in the past couple of years to do that. So it's exciting. It's exciting. You want to be a part of it. That's for sure. Well, look, Jacquez Jones got the ball rolling publicly when he said that his expectation is the college football playoff. And every person I've talked to, to a man has said, yeah, I agree with that. So I'm assuming you're going to agree with it too. Yep. It's college football playoff or bust. It's all that matters. Oh man. It's all this team's working for. God, y'all are just going to get people way too hyped, and then everybody's going to be getting way too hyped in the Grove Bowl, partying it up. People can actually come to the Grove again. I mean, my God, it's going to be a party. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be exciting, trust me. I wouldn't be saying this. I've been here about five years. I've seen all these staffs. <laughs> this is the year. This is the year. How exciting is it to have fans back? Oh, my. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to pack the vault and uh, you know see all those students back and see all those fans back, see tickets holders, all that stuff. You know, we missed that last year, and I think that's a key, you know, key component of this game is having a home field advantage. And um, I know for a fact that Oxford will be bumping come Saturday. Well, that's look, for sure. I'm going to be disappointed now because you put it in my brain. If at some point in a blowout, it is whatever. If you don't get in there, it's safety. Now it's in my head. If it doesn't happen, <laughs> I'm going to be let's disappointed. Work for a I'm working for a fake punt before I get in at safety. That's for sure. I need a fake punt before I do anything. What kind of arm do you got? Oh. I, I can throw. I can throw the ball. That's for sure. Okay. So you want a fake punt where you're tossing it or a throwback kind of catch deal for you? Which one would it you It doesn't matter. Okay. I'll run, throw, anything. doesn't matter. Well, the thing is, the only problem there <laughs> is that Lane Kiffin goes for it so much on fourth down that I don't know. I, know. I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get it, man. I'll have to talk to him about it. Yeah. I'll have to talk to him about it. You got to get in there and campaign and say, look, man, it's my senior year. Come on. The reason pay. why I came back. Yeah. Just for a fake. Perfect. He's got to. He's got to. He's Mac Brown, Ole Miss's punter. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Appreciate me having me on. Thanks. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.